0: All right, we've been talking about this series called This Is The Way, and it really was birthed out of two Bible verses that I think really are like a one-two punch about where our culture is trying to take us and where God wants us to go. Now, now look at this. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to man. Our whole culture says this is the way you ought to do it, but the end of that way is what? Death. death. Say it with me. The end is? Death. death relational death, physical death, spiritual Death. Uh, mental health problems, death in every area. But then God uh, speaks to Isaiah and he starts speaking to the people of God. And as they listen to his word, he says, your ears will hear a word that says, no, this is the way you can walk in this way. What this series is doing is distinguishing those two different ways. How do I make sure I'm not following that way that leads to death? And how do I follow the way that leads to life? And today's message is, is simply a question, where did I come from? If I'm trying to get to the path of God, I'm trying to get to the plan of God, i got to start by understanding where I started. So I'm going to tell you three things about God, and then I'm going to tell you three things about you. So in your notes, follow along with me. Here's the first thing about God. God created everything. Come on, you know the drill. If it's underlined, you're supposed to say it with me. God created Everything. everything, everything that was made. And in fact, in all the words in this book, the greatest span of time is after the first four words of the Bible. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, that's all there was. It was just God. God is from everlasting to everlasting. How old is he? When did he come from? Where? We don't know any of those answers. He's just God. Chances are the answer to those questions is beyond people who are raised and live in this flesh house that we live in. We, we can't quite, comp- our brain can't quite get there. Imagine showing your iPhone to the first caveman on planet earth and explain, we can't understand God. He's just God and he's been around forever. Now, I put the word pause in there. That's not in the Bible, okay? I just want you to understand, there's a pause, a gigantic long pause. And then he created the heavens and the earth. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how long that took. It happen immediately when he spoke It was all there or did it, uh, did it grow over time? The Bible just tells us that a thousand years is like a day with God and a day is like a thousand years. We we don't know how long that took, but we know everything that was made was made by him. And, and, and we know that it was made with intentionality and purpose. People say, well, what about evolution? Do you believe? Well, the theory of evolution has got a lot to it. We know uh, fossils will show us that species evolve Right? You know, this plant looked different a a thousand years or or, or a million years than it looks right now. But there's never been any fossil evidence or any evidence that one species could evolve into a completely different species. Right? That's just a theory. That's never been proven. And even though thousands, untold numbers of people have lived their whole life, atheist scientists, lived their whole life trying to disprove the, 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 the creation story. For all of their effort, thousands of years of different people trying it, they've yet to even disprove the first verse in the Bible, (laughs) that it all happened the way God's word says. In fact, that uh, there was a scientist, a Catholic priest, who coined the phrase, the big bang theory. And his idea was that God spoke, let there be light, and bang, light showed up. Things began to happen, and, and I'm, I think that the creation story is consistent with what we see in the world today. God created all of this beauty, but the question is asked, like, why did he create that? That's a, I hope you're an inquisitive person, because the Bible answers that question. A couple verses I want to show you. God's the one who made all things, and all things were made, why? For his glory. Why, what's about the glory? Well, he wanted to have children so he could share his glory. The wonder of this world, the more I think about it, I mean, I didn't just recently, you know, uh, show up on planet earth. I've been living in it all my life, but the more you think about the wonder of it, the more beauty it explodes. I'm on my way here today over windy roads and up hills and valleys, just looking at all that God created between the first and second service. I looked outside, it was raining sideways, like, Wow. You know, some, some 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 young people came in drenched head to toe. They said, "We, we thought we could make it, but it didn't turn out so well." Uh, I mean, there is so much uh, creativity and beauty in the world that God gave us, and, and here it tells us that He did that because He wanted to share it with you. He wanted you to understand Him a little bit more by showing you how powerful he is, how creative he is, how amazing things are. And you occupy a very important part of that created order. God thought of you first, but created you last. We know in the order of creation, the last thing God created after uh, after the darkness and the light and after the moon and the mountains and, and after animals and plants, you were the last thing created. But the Bible makes it very clear that Actually, we were the first thing he thought of long before he laid the earth's foundations. God had us in mind long before the foundations, and he'd settled on us as the focus of his love. He decided, I'm going to make people, and they're going to be the focus of my love. You are the only thing he made that's made in his image. You you are set apart different from everything else that God made. In fact, it says this in James, God brought us into being through the word of truth so that we should be have the first place among all his creatures. You are first place. Now, all the creatures matter. They are all made by God. He loves all of them. We we are told in the book of Genesis to subdue the earth, to care for the earth. Christians ought to be environmentalists. We ought to care about this planet. We ought to care about the animals on this planet. We ought to care about the climate on this planet. We ought to care about all of those things because why? Because they represent the glory of God. He created it so he could share it with us. Could you imagine you ever shared anything with somebody and they just tore it up? That'd be awful, right? We ought to care about that. But also at the same time, the Bible is clear that we're the first place among his creation. He looks at us and we're the only ones who can love him back. We're the only ones who are made in his image, can give glory back to God, can give worship back to God, can freely choose our own free will to worship and serve him. I was thinking about this verse this week and I thought, I'm the first place among his creatures. I feel like my dog sometimes should be ahead of me because he's way nicer than I am. Like he doesn't lose his temper. He's consistent all the time. Every time I show up at the house, Stanley, our dog's name's Stanley, I love it when dogs get people names. Don't you like that? I think that's cool. Stanley just runs up. Oh, he's wagging his tail. You know, he wants to lick you. All he wants to do is be awesome. And I, my prayer is God make me as awesome as Stanley thinks I am. You know, and there's something special and beautiful. But God says, no, I, I created that for you to enjoy. All of God's creation, all the things that you enjoy. God was thinking of you when he made you. And then when he got to the point where he says, okay, now I've made all this cool stuff. I made these pets. I made these animals. I made this beauty. He said, now I'm going to custom design you. God custom designed you, specifically made you. There's no one in the world like you. Psalm 139, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, about how uh, when, when you are made, God said, I formed you specifically intricately in your mother's womb. In fact, the Bible says he was watching over you in your mother's womb while you were growing and that he he had already determined every step of your life before you breathed your first breath. That's how intentional God is and was about you. And it's not just you. It's everybody God ever created. Don't ever let anybody tell you that you were a mistake or that you didn't matter. Listen, there are no mistakes. God God, uh, plans every child. You might have had an unplanned pregnancy, but God said that's a planned child. I planned that child. I had a plan, have a plan for that child. There are illegitimate parents. There are no illegitimate children. God has a plan for all those children. You might say, "Well, what about me?" You know, my parents are kind of jacked up, and I, you know. I, well, you know what? God wants to use your your parents' DNA to to create you. There was something about them, and you say, "You don't know my parents." There's nothing redemptive. That's a false statement. There's something powerful and redemptive, and God wants to use those traits in you to bring about His purpose for your life. Think about. I, I like think about it like this. I was thinking about th- this week. I thought my son. God used two sets of parents to bring about his ultimate destiny. One set of parents, God said, I need that DNA to form the inner making of that boy. And I've got another set of parents that I need that culture to bring him right to his perfect purpose. If you're you're an adopted person, God took such great plans to form you. He he formed you out of the DNA of one set of parents, and he puts you in the culture of another set of parents. He must have huge plans for your life. And you know what? He's got huge plans for everybody's life in here. He has a purpose and a plan for all of us, and he intricately decided this is how you have to be to accomplish the thing only you can accomplish. Now, let's talk. that's God. Let's talk about you for a minute, okay? You have a purpose. You were designed for that purpose. And the Bible is filled with statements that let us know that there are no just random average people But all people are purposed by God. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you before. Before you were formed, I knew you, God says. And before you were born, I set you apart. There's a biblical word for that called sanctify. You ever wonder what that word means? It means to be set apart for a purpose. I set you apart for my holy purpose. And it's not just here. Isaiah says, God called me before I was even born. We read about John the Baptist. The Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit in his mother's womb. We read about Rebecca. She had twin boys inside her womb, and the Bible says God already has a destiny, and purpose for those boys. And you know what? The same is true of your life. You were also created for a purpose bigger than you. Your parents don't have to agree to that. You might have family members that don't see it. You know, you might, Your best friends might be like, Yo, now you're all up in church, and you think you got a purpose. It doesn't matter what they think. The purpose of God over your life is bigger than all of those people, and it's bigger than you. That's God's purpose. And and this is very important. Nothing that you have done or will ever do has the power to destroy the purpose of God for your life. I want to help somebody right now because you think those are really awesome things, and I wish I heard those 10 years ago before I did X, before I made this mistake. I wish I'd heard that, and now you think you're disqualified. I want to tell you on the authority of Scripture, nothing you can or will ever do has the power to destroy the purpose of God for your life how is that possible? You say, because God, listen to these two words. God is a supernatural redeemer. I want you to get those two words. Say it with me. God is a supernatural redeemer. He's a redeemer. A Redeemer is someone who puts things back in the way they originally should have been. To redeem is to bring it back to its original purpose, and that's wonderful, but God is also supernatural, meaning that nothing in this world can bind him or stop him from doing the things he wants to do. That's the hardest part to, to to process It's easy to process that God's a redeemer, that God wants to fix stuff that I've screwed up, that's easy to figure out. but then there's always this feeling, but there's no way to fix this. there's no way to go back in time and change that. Well, there's no way to fix it in your abilities, but God's supernatural. He's not bound by any of the natural or human boundaries that hold us back. And here's another good thing to note. Forgiveness and redemption are not a nuisance to God. They're part of his nature. When he forgives, when he redeems, he's doing what he wants to do. He's not frustrated to have to do that, to have to love you through your mistakes, to have to give you a second chance. That is his exact nature. Take, for instance, the story of the woman who was caught in adultery and dragged out mercilessly in front of the community and a bunch of angry, judgmental, religious men grab up stones and they are literally going to pummel her body until she dies. Jesus steps between her and death. He saves her life. He sends those hypocrites on. He's, remember, he's writing something in the dirt. I don't know what it was. I think it was like, Bob, I know what you've been doing. Drop that rock. <laughs> I don't know what he wrote, but like they got out of there right? And, and, and then he says these words, woman, where are your accusers? She said, they're gone. And he said, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. He said two very important things. I'm not here to condemn you. Go and sin no more. Now that's exactly the model we as believers ought to be taking. Amen. The Bible says Jesus was full of two things, grace and truth. Now, in human understanding, if you fill something up with two things, it's got to be a combination, right? Can't be full of grace and still have some truth. It can't be full of truth and still have some grace because you only got 100%. But see, God is supernatural. He was 100% grace and 100% truth all at the same time. And so he looked at her and he said, you are not what they thought you are. You, you don't have to believe that. You're better than what I'm looking at right now. You got a plan. You got a, a, an opportunity to go somewhere. I love you. You're going to be more. You are not condemned by anyone. Amen. But he didn't leave it there. He said, go and what? Sin no more. Oh, he said the S word. You can't talk about sin. You know, you know what he didn't say? He didn't say, hey, girl, you just go live your truth. Who are they to tell you what's right and wrong in your life? You go live your truth, girl. You go do you, girl. He didn't tell her that. He he didn't tell her, you just, you know, nobody knows your feelings. You got to do what feels, right? He didn't say that. He told her the truth because he's not only 100% grace, he's also 100% truth. Let me tell you something. If all I want to do is just be all grace with my kid... And, and, and you know what? They, their truth said, hey, riding my bicycle with these training wheels on this grass is too slow. I think I need to get out there on that paved four-lane highway. Do you think I would say, well, just live your truth, son? <laughs> you know, honey, just go. You know, you got to do what feels right. It might feel right for a minute. The Bible says there is a way that feels right unto man, but in the end it leads to Death. See, if I know you're headed toward death, I can't I can't be worried that I might get canceled or, or, or they might might de uh, deplatform us on social media. I have to tell you the truth that your life means more than this momentary indulgence that you want to take on. That whatever you feel right today, feelings can't be trusted. Let me tell you something. Your feeler is broken. It don't work right. It feels this way today. It feels that way tomorrow. You can't live your life by how you feel. That's what Jesus was telling her. She did what felt right, and it almost got her killed that day. He saved her life. He told her she matters. She has value. She's not to be condemned. But he also told her the truth, that you're better than this, that you can get up from this lifestyle. You can do more. You can be more. Go and sin no more. That's who we have to be as followers of Jesus. I'm frustrated with angry Christians who are mad when unbelievers act like unbelievers. What were you expecting? When sinners sin, what were you expecting? Did you forget how often you have sinned or continue to sin? Cue silent moment of awkwardness. (laughs) Christians don't sin. What are you talking about? All those that don't sin, you can leave right now. Just levitate out of the room, float right out. When I go open the doors, you float through the crack in the door. Looks like we all stayed, didn't we? We're all sinners, okay? Why are we angry when other people sin? But we, we're, you know, we're happy and we're fine when we sin. What we gotta do is gotta be people of full of truth and full of grace. And I just wanna tell you this, if you come to Jesus today, you're gonna get the same version of Jesus that the woman got in that ancient story. He's gonna love you ent- entirely and he's gonna show you the truth entirely. You might come to religion and get a different story. You might come to a man who calls himself a man of God or calls herself a woman of God. But when you truly come to God, you get a hundred percent grace and you get a hundred percent truth. Aren't you thankful? Clap your hands. If you've ever got the grace and the truth of God in your life, we thank you for that God. All right. So you have a purpose. Watch this part, but your problems also have a purpose. Your problems, the, the, the junk you're going through right now. In fact, Even the mess you're in right now, it has a purpose. Now, we rarely see the meaning when we're in the mess. But when we look backwards, often we can see the meaning. We often rarely see where the mess came from. You know, and and let me just say this in love, okay? This is in the truth portion. (laughs) Stop blaming God for the mess you're in. Christians do that so often. The world does that so often. You know, I just don't know what God's doing here. And I'm like, um, God didn't do that. <laughs> that was not God at all, you know. And we, and we do it a lot on social media, you know. Our, our posts where we just write in detail about all the things that are going on in our life and we just don't know what God is doing. And I'm like, I can scroll back three days ago and see that you did it. More awkward silence. <laughs> You didn't know I was doing that with y'all's post, did you? Just rolling back. He's like, oh, you didn't. That's when it happened right there. And I have, I, I'm displaying such, um, you know, such control by not going, this is what happened in your life. Boom. When God's word says, this is what you ought to do. And we're like, but I feel like I ought to do this. And then chaos happens. You know, I, I've said it m- many times already in this series that you can't really break God's laws. They're, they're not breakable you can run into them and break yourself up against God's laws. And that's what we do. We, we just run headlong and God's word says this, but my feelings says that. And then I'm all broken apart. In fact, I can tell you where your problems come from. I'll tell you right now. If you want to know where not, at least 90% of your problems, by the way, did you know that 78% of all statistics are made up on the spot? <laughs> just like that one right there. I just made that one up. So Here's another one I'm going to make up. My own opinion is that about 90% of your problems, I know right where they are. When you leave here today, when you go home, get in the house, go right through the living room, go right to your bedroom, right through the bedroom, go to the bathroom and go to the sink and look up. You can find 90% of your problems looking right back at you. That's where the mirror is, right? That's where 90% of my problems are. I'd like to say, oh, I'm a pastor. The devil wants to fight pastors more than everybody else. This world is against the ministry. That's where my problem... There's some of that, but most of it is me. That's why I'm so glad God is filled with grace. Aren't you glad for that? Aren't you glad he forgives and he loves? And here's the truth. No matter how the problem came, God uses that problem to bring about a purpose that is greater than you. Let me give you an example. A guy who didn't create his own problem in the Old Testament, his name was Joseph. He was one of 12 brothers and he was the favorite brother and the 11 hated him because of it. And so those brothers beat him up, threw him in a pit, and sold him to an Egyptian band of slave traders. The next 40 years of his life, everything went wrong. I mean, he's doing everything right. He's praying. He's being a man of integrity. He's honest. He's serving. I mean, he's really serving everybody he can serve, whether they deserve it or not. And he just gets word. He goes from bad to worse finds himself in prison. And I imagine there had to be a moment where he went, what is all this worth? I've done everything I know to do right, and yet here I am. And I just want to stop because maybe that's how you feel right now. You'd say, I know I haven't been perfect, but I have absolutely been trying. I've been doing everything I know to do, and yet more and more chaos. Why is this happening in my life? Where is God in all this? I want to tell you, he's creating a purpose in the middle of all that. See, what what Joseph didn't know is God had him right where he was supposed to be. He was in Egypt because his purpose was in Egypt. And the way to get him there was not only physically through the trauma he went through, but something had to happen in his heart that the trauma also developed inside of him. And so in a matter of moments, he goes out of the prison. He becomes the prime minister over Egypt God gives him a vision and and, and gives him wisdom about a coming famine, and he organizes the whole land to store seven years of grain. It makes Egypt generationally wealthy. People come from all around the world, the known world, and who else comes? His brothers. And when the brothers get there and they recognize that brother they threw away and thought was dead by now has the power to kill them, they're shaking in their boots. And in Genesis 50, he says those now famous words that there's no way Joseph at 18 could have said these words. It was only through the purpose that the problems created in him that Joseph said, you intended it to harm me, but God had an intention for my good and to bring about the saving of all these lives. He never would have gotten there. He would never had that perspective had he not been through hell for all those years. And I want to tell you, you may be going through your own hell right now. I want you to know that God is with you. He is shepherding you through that time. And if you hold on to him, there's a beautiful promise that says, we know that God causes, come on, say it with me, everything to work together for the good of those who do two things. They do what? Love God and are called according to his purpose for them. This is the most often misquoted verse. All things work for good. I don't know why we can't pay for this $70,000 car that we financed for 80 years. I don't know why we got financial problems, but all things work for good. I don't know what God's doing, but all things work for good. Just blame God for what you did and misquoted his scriptures. That's probably going to work out great for you. Now, there's two prerequisites. I got to just keep loving God. Just keep loving God. Keep loving God. Keep loving. I don't know why this is happening. I'm going to keep loving you. I don't know why. I'm going to keep loving your children. I'm going to keep serving others. I'm going to keep doing the right things. And stay focused on a purpose greater than this life. See, here's the last thing your future is eternal. Okay? This life is going to end, you're going to stop breathing your heart's going to stop pumping. That's going to be the end of this life, but it's not going to be the end of you because you're eternal. And and all that everybody focuses on here, like your money and your prestige and how your body looks, and you may have gone to the gym five days a week for the last 30 years, all your gains are going to be lost that day. None of that's going to matter. You know, your social media platform, what people think about you, none of that will matter. But your purpose, your eternal purpose in God is just beginning. And, and, and scripture, scripture tells us this about, about God's purpose for us, that the eventual plan of God for you. Remember I said that he created everything for his glory so that he could share it with us. Remember that? And that God wanted us all to be a part of his family. Look at this verse. This is the most famous psalm. The last verse, would you all say it with me? Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Time out, that's this earth. That's the, what seems to be a long time, 70, 80, 90, 100 years, okay? That's what I'm, pre- I'm, I'm trusting that God's love follows me. But after that's over, say the rest of this. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That's what God wants. God created all of this creating you last so that you could see who he is, so you could come to know him, you could enjoy this, and you could be prepared for his forever offer that you could be his children. Jesus told us in John chapter one that if you receive Jesus, you, you become a son or a daughter of God. He wants you in his family. I'm at that stage of life where my children are growing up and moving out of my house. And as much as I wanted it to happen in seasons, <laughs> I don't want it to happen anymore. I want them in my house. You know why I feel that way? You know why you feel that way? Because you're made in the image of God. And the best part of you is a reflection of him. He wants you in his house. He wants you to dwell in his house forever. That's why Jesus said, as many of those who called on him, he gave the right to become children of God. That's what he wants out of your life. He has this divine purpose for you. You will never see it unless you surrender your life to him. I hope you'll do that right now. I hope you'll be able to say what that Romans 8 passage says, that all these things, good and bad and ugly, are going to work out for your good. I mean, the good things, the bad things, the ugly things that that I made, I, I make a lot of the ugly in my life, right? God says, I'll make those things work out for your good you got to be focused on my purpose for your life and you got to be focused on loving God